0: And welcome to the How CMOs Commit Podcast. I'm Margaret Malloy, Global Chief Marketing Officer of the leading branding firm Siegel Gale. From April to August 2020, I interviewed 50 CMOs from around the world as host of the Siegel Gale Future of Branding event series. Although it pains me not to break bread in person we've uncovered invaluable insights and memorable human stories during this virtual season. In many ways, this podcast provides an exclusive oral history of how brands and CMOs live in the COVID-19 era. From the decisions facing CMOs during this time to the commitments they are forging for the unchartered road ahead, the conversations are uniquely vulnerable and strategic. Please be sure to listen to the end when I provide my reflections on our discussion. This is how CMOs commit. Hello, and welcome to the Future of Branding virtual series brought to you by Siegel and Gail. This series is modeled on our very popular Future of Branding in-person lunchtime events. Siegel and Gail, it is our privilege to welcome you here today. We are in our 51st year, and we are honored to work with some of the world's leading brands. It pains us not to be able to break bread with you in person, but nonetheless, we are thrilled to welcome so many of you here today. We hope you will make this a regular date. We are back every fortnight where we will meet five CMOs to learn how they are handling building brands in a COVID era and beyond. Although we are physically apart, our CMO community is stronger than ever. And we know that we are strengthened by sharing our experiences. Today, we are joined by five CMOs, or marketing leaders, who are distinguishing themselves in their response to the crisis. Now, before we meet the CMOs and begin our conversation, I'd like to acknowledge our global community here. And for me personally, COVID-19, I know, has impacted us all, personally and professionally. But it's uplifting to our spirits to see so many here. So now I'm going to introduce our five panelists, one question each, and then we will go and have a somewhat more in-depth discussion with each panelist. So let's begin with you, Norm. Norm. Norm DeGrieve is the CMO of CVS Health, the United States' largest healthcare provider. So Norm, you're calling us from Massachusetts. What is lifting your spirits at this time?
1: Oh well, I think it's the power of the human spirit. I for a walk once a day, and um, I've noticed that people are a lot more friendly now in New England. That's an unusual thing. So for those of you who know New England, and it feels a lot more like a snow day when we're all together and you wave at each other and you say hello. And so I'm uplifted by the connectivity that I feel between so many people who live around me and so many people who are further away that we forget in our daily chaos that we've had prior to this situation.
0: Marvelous. So Ed Pilkington is the Chief Marketing and Innovation Officer for North America for Diageo. So Ed, where are you this morning? And what's... Yes, please. And what is keeping your spirits high?
2: Hi, Margaret. Hi, everyone. I'm in uh, New York, where I'm based. Uh, What's keeping my spirits? I think actually a little bit to what Lauren said. I think the extraordinary ability that humans have to adapt to circumstances. This has been like the largest test case for humanity in terms of how to adapt to a situation. And you see lots of documents at the moment about resilience. Lots of people are trying to sort of help people connect, but I've been just hugely impressed by people's ability to be agile, to adapt to different circumstances, huge levels of positivity. And to Norm's point, this connectivity, because I think people as they've been families have gone ahead, and actually I think what you're seeing is the reconnection within families, within friends, and people connecting more, which I think will go back out. So I think actually sort of pause and for all the terrible stuff that's going on, Uh, this sort of positive, agile, and sort of this level of connection which is going on, I think has been really fantastic, actually, and it it generally does sort of raise my spirits.
0: Fantastic. So Jennifer Temple is the Chief Communications Officer at HPE. And Jennifer, you're joining us from the Bay Area. Good morning. Good
3: morning. Yes, I'm in Los Gatos, California, right outside of San Jose, which is where our global headquarters is and have not been there in in over a month it's a little weird i would echo i the connectivity is is huge i think out of that connectivity is a new sense of empathy and a new sense of forgiveness i placed on my kids placemat at breakfast a, a few weeks ago i ripped up the schedule because you know we're all sheltering in place and they're they're having to homeschool through high school and teach themselves middle school I ripped up the big formal agenda and I just put on their place, you know, learn to forgive us in these moments when we're not perfect and, and be grateful for the funny, small little moments that come out of this. And so we're really trying to practice that. And I, I really love to see us all be a little bit more understanding and, and empathetic to one another. And that translates into how we're interacting as a team in the workplace too. We, we just sort of roll with it and we forgive each other and we, understand each other in a new way.
0: Fantastic. So let's now go to Pennsylvania where we're joined by Sherry Sanger, the CMO of Penske Transportation
4: Solutions. Hello, Sherry. Hello. So yeah, what's been lifting me up, I'd say at work, it's been, I'd call it like the collapse of the silos. And some incredible teamwork amongst our leadership team at the executive level. And you know how an organization sometimes things form over time, and that's all just stripped away. And there's a huge heart around taking care of our employees, our customers. We've been deemed an essential business in transportation, transporting things into hospitals, grocery stores, et cetera. So we've had to navigate our employees being on the front lines and out there and being at work, as well as corporate folks moving home. And so a huge sense of collaboration and teamwork. And I just find that really uplifting. And I hope some of that we are able to carry forward as we come out of this. And then, you know, on a personal side, just an incredible sense of family right now. Right. So getting more time doing some of the basic things that we always feel like we wish we had more time for, but given that I haven't traveled in the last uh, six weeks, which is highly unusual. I'm actually enjoying that quite a bit and uh and just really enjoying my kids always lift my spirits. So that's, that's happening at an extraordinary level right now.
0: Marvellous. So now let's go to our final panellists. We are going to meet Hoop de Froyer, who's joining us from the Swiss Alps this afternoon. Good evening.
5: Yes, good morning to most of you and good evening. And I saw that there is also people from AIPAC. Um So, yeah, I'm joining from the Swiss Alps. And um, um, so, like, uh, the advantage of coming uh, last is actually, I can just echo what all the others have uh, said. So i found, uh, every single one of the panelists what they were mentioning resonates a lot with me so so this is is also very interesting we are very international group here on the call and uh, and uh, and it's we kind of all in the same boat and experience the same things and and I, I love the points around going back to basic focusing on things that matter appreciating human interaction I think a lot of us uh, come to realize how this that We have been. I mean, Sherry mentioned travel. I've been traveling l- like crazy as well. I appreciate actually having the time for other things, and so so it makes us rethink not only in personal lives but also in uh, professional life, like like uh, how to do things completely differently. And uh, and I think um, and approaching leadership and our teams with humanity rather than with all kinds of gadgets and sophistication. And um, so so I love the back to basic comment. Um, at the same time, I would say for me, this has been a tremendous time of opportunity as well. And I think um, we all know that when we come out of this, um, uh, people say, hey, we go back to normal. There is not going to be back to normal. It will be a new normal. And I think um, for the people that have the glass half full all the time, I think this is a phenomenal opportunity. And that's, uh, I, I've been extremely proud of my team, the people that I'm interacting with. So I'm surprised, actually, to to what people are willing to do and the creativity and the willingness and the spirit. So so I'm happy, actually, that happens, Margaret. So in a way, yeah.
0: Thank you. We look forward to hearing more of what you're doing at Dow, one of the world's leading chemical companies, in a few moments. So let's now go in depth somewhat with each of you. Norm, will you get us started, please? CVS Health... One of the largest healthcare companies in the country, very important mission, helping people on a path to better health. How are you doing and what would you like to highlight in terms of CVS Health response to the crisis? I think
1: this crisis has changed I mean, everything because of the scope of our business. We interact with it in so many ways. So we have 10,000 stores that dispense medication. So they're not just retail stores, they dispense something that's essential for people to stay healthy. And uh, we have people in those stores. And what we've learned is that first and foremost, our job is to take care of our employees. Because if we don't have employees, you really don't have a business. And so for us in a very practical matter, that meant do they have the right protective equipment? Do they have, then we had uh, schools closed. So people had to go home and take care of their kids. So do we have child care so that they can actually come back to work? They, they, they need the money. Do they feel listened to and compensated for? I mean, it's just it has actually we meet as an executive team every day now, including on the weekends, because there's literally every day sets of issues we have to deal with related to our employees. And, you know, we should deal with them because our employees are important to us and, and important to the business. So that's just been a whole new thing that really, as a marketer, you guys didn't spend much time with. I mean, you know, we talk about employees bought into the brand, but it's just not to this level. So that's been a big deal. We've been setting up testing sites with the government uh, in different states. That's taken us into a lot of great things. Uh, we've done 35,000 tests in the last couple of weeks, but there's also a lot of politics related to that. So that's been interesting. We, have, we own an Aetna insurance company, and so they have clients that are furloughing employees. And so that's all different and so you know i think when we thought about what does it mean from a marketing standpoint first and foremost it just the word that came to me was be useful be useful <laughs> like do something useful and i feel like in a crisis the way you connect is by doing something useful in a meaningful way and so for us that meant free delivery of prescriptions now in some ways that's great it's a you know kind of part of our business but actually it means a lot there's a lot of at risk and vulnerable patients who are scared to go into stores and money is a big deal for a lot of people right now we have you know really a terrible economy and so the idea that they can get those things really help them then there was free telemedicine so that they don't have to leave their house and uh, and free support for people who are helping to take care of them and i think just you know, none of these things are actually free to us by the way they're actually costing us a lot of money but to me those were Things that were more likely to build the brand than traditional advertising because we mm-hmm. can help people in a, in a meaningful way. And so I'd say, you know, it's, the employee piece has never been bigger than today never been bigger in my career than it is right now. And uh, and thinking about how you market things that are useful to people is, is really key to what we're focused on.
0: Have you been surprised by any reactions in the community among your employees or customers?
1: Well, I don't know that I'm surprised, although you do get it. Like, so the employees, there's there's definitely a negative chatter from our employees and from many people who have retail stores employees because they feel they need, they really need the money. So they have to go to work and they're feeling vulnerable. I mean, people come into these stores. And so I think I, I'm not surprised. I don't think I appreciated their point of view as much as I do now. So that that's definitely... Um, true. I'd say one thing that's been really odd, you know, when you spend a career trying to use marketing tools to grow a business, which in my case, sometimes means, you know, having people come into a store to get nasty grams about why does your marketing encourage people to come into a store? It's like, okay, I understand exactly what you're saying. And that's completely different than what my whole career has been about. And, uh, and so I think that's, uh, that's been true too.
0: Brand purpose has it helped you navigate the decisions? What role has it helped, or has it been in your mind at all?
1: I think that in times of chaos, purpose is very helpful because you can't be there for every decision. There's a great book called uh, "Team of Teams," written by the guy, uh, the general who commanded all the special forces in in Iraq. And he talked about how they had to change how they were focused. They were structured in a very organized way, very hierarchical, cascading logic. And they were doing everything right, but they were losing to an army, at the time was Al-Qaeda, which was distributed and, and not hierarchical at all. And so he had to rethink everything, and it changed everything. And what I took away from that, there were parts of parts about communication. So now we do communication directly down to into the field every week, which is one piece. But the other piece that I took away from that is, in that case, it was the power of religion or cause or something like that, right? Which was to say, wherever you are, you don't actually need instructions every day. You know what the right thing to do is because you know what you're all about. And that is the same thing to me as purpose. And I think in times of chaos with a distributed ecosystem, it plays an even bigger role, maybe less on the big decisions of how do we demonstrate our purpose, but in the small decisions of how do we make decisions every day. Tremendous.
0: Thank you for that, Norm. So switching gears, Ed, from the Diageo vantage point, you have over 200 brands, 180 countries. I imagine a lot of your sales are on-premise. What has been the impact of the crisis to date on Diageo and your brands?
2: Thanks, Margaret. Yes. I mean, well, the first thing actually, to Norm's point, whilst we're not a retail uh, operation, the first thing is making sure our people are fine and that really is our sort of first priority around the world making sure that all of our people are fine healthy and fit it varies to be honestly the the on-premise off-premise really varies if you take here in the states it's about a 20 80 split 20 percent of the businesses in the on-premise so we've lost that it's gone and more than that than the business loss is the impact on for those bars for those businesses you know, the amount of people who, who are out of work. So there's a whole piece there, which I get, I'll come back to in terms of support for that community. Parts so the world, it's varied. Um, if I look at our European business, it's more heavily skewed to the on uh, Our GB business is quite heavily skewed to the on premise. If you go to Spain, there are as many premise outlets in Spain as there are in the USA, about 200,000. It's about 50% of our business there. So it's, it's a big part of our business. So it's pretty important. And then you've got parts of the world for us completely shut down, which is a very big business for us. Uh, shut down, uh, they, you know, it's extraordinary, really. They shut you know, how they and impressive how they shut a, a 1.3 billion population down in pretty quick terms, but that business therefore has changed and it's interesting in some parts of the world we are deemed. So our business is, is varied around the world in terms of where it's at and the impact from complete shutdown to losing the on-premise, to having, you know, businesses which are doing okay. Uh, and what we're seeing here in in the States is, yes, we've seen a pickup. So that loss of business, if you take in the on-premise, there's definitely been, see, been a switch to clearly people drinking home, which we want them to do responsibly, clearly. Um, and we've seen a, you know, an uptick in volume, notably on e-commerce, a huge shift and, and drinks and alcoholic beverages in general lagged behind other consumer goods in terms of uh, e-commerce sales over the last few years, both here and in some other parts of the world. And that's really, really shifting. So people like Drizzly, our partners like that, mm. seen a huge uplift in terms of what they're doing. They've gone from like a million users to six million users. So phenomenal shift in terms of sort of e-commerce buying um, as at home becomes the core part of, of enjoying life. And what we're seeing, of course, is people still want to celebrate. And at the heart of the Agio and our purpose, and I think you've heard me say this before, you know, our purpose at the Agio is about celebrating life every day, everywhere. And we want people to do that. And people are just doing that differently now, with their friends, with family, if they're at home with family, or on the, the rise of the virtual happy hour, um, where the virtual, I'm glad to say, a lot of people say, I'm gonna have a virtual cocktail. Hopefully your cocktail is not some conceptual one, it's a real one, but you know, it really has happened. And, and you know, we do it because we a drinks business, but the amount of people who are now connecting around the world, back to that point of connecting and sitting there with drink, And the fascinating thing about that, that we've seen as well is, um, this desire to learn and build new skills uh, which is really really fascinating so you know the i mean i was calculating recently i think I'm, we've done a sort of 114 consecutive meals of you in cloud you know and without going out it must be sort of include the three meals a day it's just sort of keeping going isn't it so that desire actually to start to experiment and do different things doing it on the virtual cocktail it's interesting you know people actually want to turn up imagine if this was got world for some people i've seen people from manchester and all around the world but actually people may want to turn up and say oh actually I don't want to have a boring drink. Actually, look, I've just learned how to make a Negroni. Here's a Tanqueray Negroni. Isn't that great? Look at me, you know. So it's really interesting how new skills are coming and how they benefit different businesses. So and
0: it's, it's Ed, in, in, in terms of Diageo in general and also many of your brands, you've had interesting responses to the crisis. Maybe, maybe highlight one or two responses that you believe have had great impact.
2: Yeah, so we, we set ourselves some principles up front, which actually was about, um, it's such a what Norm said, our brand should deliver messages that call it comfort. And in some respects, actually, that is put in people's face. Some of our brands really stand for fun, like Captain Morgan and Smirnoff to an extent. Utility, we should help where we can. That's partnering with e-commerce. And the other big piece was service. I'm very conscious and, and the service element for us is especially skewed to the on-premise supporting bartenders, but also healthcare in general. So we've done a lot of principles. I think the thing we were sort of very in the early days very proud of was uh, St. Patrick's Day, I think most businesses were shutting down around about the 14th, 15th of March. St. Patrick's Day, for those of you who don't know, is the 17th. It was a Tuesday this year. We were gearing up to the fact that Tuesday is not a great day anyway compared to Saturdays and Sundays and Fridays. And we wanted to make it brilliant. And, it, of course, it, there was no – the pubs were shut uh, everywhere. And we ran some copy which we broke about the week before, called will March Again, and, uh, and it, it went down brilliantly because – it really was a very simple message, which was, look, Guinness has been around for 260 years. We signed a lease for 9,000 years at the brewery, or we didn't, Alpha Guinness did, there's nothing to do with me. Um, Arthur Guinness is a visionary philanthropist, and that's the other thing. Our business was built by amazing philanthropists. We've missed a year. Hey, that's it. You know, let's go home. Let's actually, if you can drink Guinness at home, you can order it online, blah, blah, blah. The message really was, we'll march again. We'll be back. The response we got to that was, was fabulous. I'm um, really, really proud of that, I think is a highlight in it. I think it inspired the rest of our brand, brand blah, blah, blah to go and do work which is relevant for now, really relevant for now on purpose, but really doing the elements of serving, serving the communities.
0: Thank you for that, Ed, and it is interesting because at the core of the Guinness brand is goodness. Exactly. Having the blessing of being around for more than 260 years certainly gives you some perspective.
2: We say our power, goodness, and community on Guinness, and I think delivered against all of those.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you for that. So let's now shift gears once again and go to Jennifer Temple, Chief Communications Officer at HPE, a younger company, and one that's playing a tremendous role in terms of B2B technology, technology in general. So, Jennifer, how are you doing? And... Perhaps you would highlight for us some of the most significant changes you're making at HPE in terms of your brand and communications at this time.
3: Yeah, sure. And, you know, it's interesting the the lead in on, on being a younger company. We certainly are five years young, if you will, in spinning off the B2B business from the legacy HP. But one of the things that has been really defining in this crisis is the longevity of an you know, 80-year-old brand in the Silicon Valley and a global brand and the expectations that come with a brand like that. So we're both new and old at the same time, and there's great expectation that we will be helpful. So to the points that have been made before about being useful, my mantra with my communications team has been be helpful or be quiet. So unless we have something really material to add to a conversation, we want to get out of the way so that the communications that are coming to people about their health and their well-being and what they need to know and when they need to know it can be heard and can be received. We we certainly don't want to get in the way of that, but take very seriously the role that we need to play. I think this experience is so unique because of the shut-in aspect. I mean, when you think of every other crisis we've ever had to withstand, we haven't had to be shut in and doing our work differently while we're at the same time worried about our own health, worried about our own family members, our team members. So there's such a difference to this and such a different vibe in the collective response. Typically crises happen to one brand or one industry. This one's happening to all of us. It's not self-imposed. So a couple of the, the branding grounding that we have been doing is, A, we have really found comfort in the fact that we stood up a very purposeful brand over the last several years. It's about being bold, being there to be a force for good, accelerating what comes next, the power of yes, we can when we all lean into something. And so those brand attributes and those beliefs have been a guiding light for us and being able to fall to those and re-articulate those gives our team members in particular a huge sense of comfort as well as our customers and partners. I'd highlight a couple of things that we're doing. On the employee side, I have been really impressed and inspired by the fact that there is huge engagement every week, it has not fallen off. We have an all team member meeting with 60,000 team members every week and we still get between 20 and 30,000 people that dial in for that live and then others pick it up on the webcast and so there's been little to no drop off and we take very seriously the fact that our team members are expecting us to be one of the most credible sources of information on how they should act what they should expect what they should do next so that is a very significant role that we play Yes, people are listening to health organizations and to government officials, but they're really coming to their employer first. So, you know, keeping our foot on the gas pedal and doing that frequently and with candor has been a big tool that we're doing. We've stood up different community calls and forums. We have a community that gets together with people who are dealing with elderly parents and elderly loved ones and how do they help them. When they're remote, we have a community around parents and people who are now having to homeschool their kids while also working. So that community engagement has been really powerful. And then on the customer side, the you know again, to echo the here to help, we're telling the stories where we rose to the occasion to be helpful. And there's one that in particular that was really inspiring to me where a group of team members in Genoa, Italy hardest hit by the virus and overwhelmed with supporting and caring for its population, our team members just took it upon themselves to convert a floating boat, a ferry into a floating hospital. The the equipment was all donated, the time was all donated, and it was just this inspiring story of team members saying, hey, we can help there. So I think that has been something that's been really uplifting, where it's not just about what we would do in a normal course of business and where we can offer our technology in the normal course of business. It's about being really innovative in finding an approach to bring technology to the people who need it the most.
0: Marvelous. And Jennifer, you've also signed the COVID Open Pledge around patents. Very briefly, can you tell us what that's about?
3: Sure, I mean, this is again, speaking to what we've talked about already on the call on collaboration and cooperation sort of overruling competition in this day and age. And this is just about technology companies being willing to have our patents be used by those in best position to affect change in research, in science, in immediate sort of triage work. If something that we patented can help somebody else come up with some scientific discovery or research or have an implication that can aid our global community, then we want people to have access to that. So we signed on with several other companies to agree to make those those patents available to all.
0: Fantastic. And it just occurred to me as I'm listening to you that H-E-L-P, three of those are your letters too. So thank you to HPE for helping. Let's now move back to the East Coast of the United States to Sherry at Penske Transportation Solutions, a company that's, for 50 years, supplying truck services and so very much more. And as Sherry mentioned, an essential service in terms of logistics and transportation and keeping our supply chain going at this time. Sherry, welcome once again. How has it been at Penske Transportation Solutions? And what responses would you please like to highlight?
6: Yeah, so we're a service business, right? So we have about 40,000 associates um, across the country. We're mostly a North American um, company. And so where we dove in first was with our associates. So our brand is centered around the idea of uh, people helping people. There were people helping people move ahead. So we position the brand around movement, that we help people move things from here to there, from A to B, um, whatever those needs are, whether they're short-term or long-term, whether they're consumers or businesses. And so a big part of what we um, realized right at the beginning is we had to bolster up our employees, um, and we had to Leverage every communication channel that we had in place, and we had to put other channels in place because we have a lot of hard-to-reach employees. We have drivers who were not behind a desk, don't have email addresses. Um, we have technicians, um, so we have a lot of employees that we have to work really hard to get in front of and make sure we're communicating with. So, so we that was one really important stream of work for us is you know being a service business our employees are the ones that that bring the brand to life and and help deliver every day for our customers. And we knew they were entering an environment that was really, really tough, um, having to deliver into the areas that are some of the toughest areas. And so striking that balance between um, supporting the at-home associates as well as the ones who were in these tough conditions, pivoting on processes overnight, putting in uh, sanitization protocols. We've always positioned the company around We have clean trucks, we have new trucks, it's part of um, our history and legacy from our founder. So we had a really good foundation to build off of, um, but we too had to put enhanced protocols in place. On the customer-facing side, we had to put in um, place messaging around um, we're here for you and uh, pull out and put it very quickly on some of our messaging that was, you know, we had that whole plan in place for the year like everybody else and we had to sort of scrap that and move really quickly and you know, move away from some of the lighthearted and funny and things that we were trying to do. And, and strike a Tone, that was about, we're here for you. We're ready, we're open and ready to serve. Um, because we have a customer base that, faced with a situation that's um, so different than 08, 09, which is the last thing we can look to, but that was an economic crisis. It wasn't like this in so many ways. And what we saw there is a dampening of everybody's businesses overall. But what we have here is such um, volatility for us in terms of how our customers are affected. So we serve the automotive companies and they're in full shutdown. And so we had to shut down completely as well. And then we serve healthcare and we serve grocery stores and food distribution companies, and they're in overdrive. And so we have this very mixed portfolio. And so, you know, figuring out how to serve our customers in, in different ways and recognize that they were all in very different places. And, and so that required a lot more um, targeting around our messages than um, what we normally have to do in normal time. So I stood up five teams that I called our, our impact teams. Basically scrapping part of what the marketing team had been working on and saying, okay, we're not working on that. We're now working on these five areas. And then there was a group that are working on innovation projects where we said, you know, what, this is really important until a year from now, and we're going to leave you intact, and we're going to leave you. So we put a very strong um, foot in the ultra-short term with these impact projects, um, serving these sort of valuable customer needs and um, serving our employees. And then we put, we left some teams on some longer-term innovation work as well.
0: Um, Often that's the quickest thing to go, and we didn't want that to go. I was struck by the NASCAR campaign. That was fun on social media to thank everyone. Maybe you would finally share with us the inspiration for that.
4: Okay, so I was walking my dog one morning and, and, and this was very early in the crisis. It was our first week in and our truck drivers are on the front lines and our, our technicians and our, our rental folks that are at the counters. And we thought, what can we do? We've been thanking them. We've been putting communications out. And so we have our team Penske as part of our family, our NASCAR drivers. And um, so I called uh, the marketing leader over at the NASCAR team and I said, Hey, um, I have this crazy idea. What would you think about the the drivers thanking the other drivers? So it's sort of a driver to driver moment. And he said, no problem. I'll get it done for you. And um, he said, write me a script. And so uh, um, our creative leader and I wrote a script uh, within an hour and we, we sent it off to them. And, um, and he had uh, Joey Logano and uh, Brad Kozlowski and Ryan Blaney film just quick messages. And they were campy. They were done on their phones, much like, you know, our, our teenagers or college students in our lives would, would do. And, um, and they just thanked our, thanked our truck drivers. And we made it a message to all truck drivers, not just our own. when we wrote the script, we thought, let's have them just put this out there for all drivers. And then we did the same thing for essential workers, including some of the ones that aren't recognized, all the people in warehouses that are dealing with all the food shipments and medical supplies, all the people that are keeping these trucks running and that are driving them. And so, so yeah, so we got that done actually over a weekend. And uh, I think the idea was uh, Friday morning and we were posting on Saturday afternoon.
0: Thank you for that. That was a lot of fun and very, very clever. So finally, Hoop, thank you for patiently waiting in the Swiss Alps. Dow Chemical, major B2B company where you are the director of global marketing. Talk to us about the internal and indeed the external responses you've had. I know you've had many. Perhaps you would highlight two that you're most proud of that the company has engaged in to react to this crisis.
5: Yeah, thank you Margaret. It's actually interesting for me to listen to all the other panelists and the story because we are probably a like we make ingredients that go into other ingredients that ultimately go into products that that hit an end consumer. So so we are probably working with all of the uh, the different uh, panelists and we are not necessarily known as a as a brand company or a marketing company. We are a material science company and so but uh, having said that our company is 124 um, years old with a very strong tradition with, with a very strong brand and what we have seen in the last uh, weeks is that um, the role of science and the role of chemistry has completely shifted, um, uh, and especially the perception of people about that. Our company has uh, been able, and, and 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 I very often, I, we all are in a very luxury position because we are able to do our jobs from home, and of course with the necessary challenges. But we have a, we in Dow have a phenomenal manufacturing base as well. So so and our plants and people are still working and and running. So so this is super impressive. Our teams have been able to redeploy so on some of the production to, to actually need to products to help healthcare staff, to help local government, to help our customers that were in need. And I think this um, makes me incredibly proud, and all of that in a matter of a, of a few days and, and weeks. And, and so, so, if you think about sometimes how B2B companies function, we have long cycles, but, but the crisis really has put steroids, if, if you want, on, on that whole process. And our teams have been really uh, working very hard. On the other side, Margaret, you asked me another example. I want to bring this back into, into the marketing context. And again, we are not necessarily known as a marketing company. I can tell you the opportunity that we have as marketeers in B2B2C is absolutely astonishing. And uh, some of the things, so, so my background is in consumer goods marketing, as you know. And so I've been dreaming of some of the things that, that we are able to do now. I give you a very concrete example. We all are probably being asked by our leaders, hey, uh, can you tell us what's happening next? Well, in terms of demand sensitive, what is going on? uh, We cannot trust um, external data sources uh, that we buy or that we used to buy because because typically they're, by the time you get the report, it's already out of date because things are happening in, in real time and so fast. So we as a company, which is very unlikely, um, started to use social market listening capabilities. And we are actually, as a material science chemistry company, listening to end consumers what, what they're talking about so that we can then properly bring that information back. Actually, in and, and start to innovate differently or start to accelerate certain uh, different um, means and support mechanisms that we have. So, so it's actually those two examples I, I'm extremely proud about. So, so, I'm going, yeah.
0: You made the important point that it seems marketing is having more influence perhaps than before at Dow. Is that a fair characterization of your experience?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, it sounds a little bit. Um, a little bit uh, weird when I'm going to say, uh, say that actually a crisis is actually accelerating uh, the importance of marketing in the, in the company. But actually, it, we are completely looking at everything that we are doing with current, uh, with existing customers, new customers, existing market, completely differently at the how we do things uh, so or how do we manage data. and uh, so, so typically in the rosy days, uh, nobody really is too worried about certain things and then in the in the bad days suddenly you need those things so we are learning a lot from the good and the bad and the bad we know is there like when things swing back on we know that we are going to have to make sure that those things are very well taken care of and under control and never happen again and i think i see a lot of creativity as well so i mean we are science companies so experimentation in science is, is a very natural thing if i were to say experimentation in marketing it you know, might not be necessarily in the DNA yet. Actually, it is starting to become in the DNA. And uh, so people are actually encouraging our own people to be much more creative. So yesterday, our CEO was basically saying like, hey, these grassroots initiatives, um, keep them coming. And so, so it's, uh, to me as a marketer, it sounded like music uh, uh, to my ear. So, so I'm absolutely excited um, what is going on. In marketing at the same time, I'm absolutely proud to work for a company that is actually, actually doing the right things to help, to protect people and, and trying to be contributing. I, I like the, the comment about purpose and impact. So I think we all should step back and go like all these things that we have been doing, does it really matter? And it really helps us uh, to focus and people will will look at us all. Um, like, uh, people tend to forget what we do for them in the, in the good days but people will remember what we do for them and how we stood by them in the bad days, whether that's employees or customers or consumers that actually see our company doing the necessary thing and redeploying capabilities to help everybody. So so that would be my perspective, Margaret.
0: Thank you for that. So we're going to go around the room to the five panelists with a final question. It's so tempting and necessary for us to focus on the present. And to some degree be reactionary at the moment but since the title of the series is the future of branding i'd like for each of you to think about how you would like to see your company or your brands reemerge post pandemic and very swiftly what is one commitment that you are going to make to get us there how do you want to re-emerge And what are you going to do to make it happen? Let's go back in the same batting order as we had at the onset.
1: Norm, please. I think there's a lot going on. We got a changing economic situation. I think that's gonna contribute to a changing cultural context. And I think that's an opportunity for brands to build a reputation with consumers. So there's been a lot of research done about how to react in a a recessionary time. Generally, you wanna keep all your marketing on and increase your share of voice. And I think yet all the messages we've had need to change as well. And actually who the company is might wanna change as well to be a little bit more human, to maybe express a little bit more uh, of the values that are all important to all of us versus just growth or you know, getting ahead or being the best. I think people are a little bit more, I, to me it's, not, it's starting to feel a little bit more like the 70s than it is the where uh, we just were. And I mean that you know, kind of culturally. So I'd like to see our brand emerge stronger, more connected, more human. And a commitment that I am going to make to have that happen is really to make sure that our purpose doesn't get sacrificed in the budget challenge that we're all going to face over the next 18 months. And um, it's going to be easy to focus on ROI-driven things. Purpose is what will be more memorable over this period than having a low share of voice and a high efficiency of ROI.
0: Thank you, Norm. So, Ed, for Diageo, how do you want to reemerge? And briefly, what are you going to commit to to get there?
2: We've been talking about the different phases and it's really hard to predict the future and what's going to happen because this is so different. And I saw something that EY did actually, there was a problem which was like now, next and beyond. And I I liked, and I think we we talked quite a bit about that. So, we're in the moment now where it's in the middle of it. And we feel actually, what we're doing in terms of how we're marketing our brands through this and the messaging we're, we feel this right and in line with those principles we talked about and delivering sort of this comfort and service that we sort of worked around i think the phase is looking at how our brands show up candidly over the next few months which is so you go it's funny you go from periods where you're doing long five-year strategies to actually just making sure over the next few months our brands show up really well i feel good about that so that's i mean before i came on this panel we were sort of knee-deep in planning for the next few months and the different phases of what that looks like because our marketing model is different if you think in our business say the on-premise we hope we will come back i'm not going to sit here and predict what's going to happen in the on-premise and i don't i shouldn't you know a big part of our was experiential marketing we did a huge amount of event out and about sampling giving people liquids you know that's all gone you know so that needs to be reinvented so i think the big thing for us at the moment is Look at the next few months and go, how do we want our brands to show up when our marketing model is different? Uh, it's more of a direct media model, e-commerce model, a shop in store model. Really make, get the, and the messaging and make sure we've got the right messaging to the right people in the right way. We're delivering that right level of service. All of that, I think, is really important. And then you start thinking longer term as we reemerge into what's the phase after that? And what will the world look like after that? And again, making sure we show up. And I think the other piece in our commitment, my, my commitment and certainly to the business is, you know, what, what do we know that as I say we can't predict the future? There are certain behaviors I touched on at the beginning in terms of at home and what's going on and understanding the behaviors that are happening now, which we do believe will continue. And what are the implications for us as a business and how we grab hold of those behaviors and make sure we, we use those and leverage those as we build our brands going forward. But I mean, look, we feel at the moment, we feel what we're doing at the moment across our brands we're in a, in a good place, to be honest with you. Um, and we feel we need to now think about how our brands show up over the next few months. The final piece I would say is, uh, this is a general one, you know, we're not perfect. As you said at the beginning, we have many, many brands. we probably actively market here in the States, probably 25, 30 brands. When your brands are in good shape going into a crisis, it helps, values are where you want to, who you want to talk to, your consumer, all that. It really helps, not always, you don't always do that. And we've realized as we've gone through this, where our brands are in good shape, uh, and well positioned uh, with a clear purpose, so much easier to get through this. And in terms of making sure your messaging is right uh, and you land the right message to the right consumers, so so I feel good. I think we'll reemerge in a good place. My commitment is just to make sure we manage those next phases uh, and make sure we've got the the right messaging and the right programs in place.
0: So Jennifer at HPE, please. Sure, I'll be brief because I know we're
3: trying to fly through everybody. But I, I'll just summarize. I think. This moment, the world is watching, and I think we have the opportunity to be better understood and to emerge as a trusted advisor to our customers and our partners and our team members. And I think I have been really impressed with our decisiveness and leading through and looking at not only the near term, but making longer term decisions that will help us navigate the the next phase of this. So I think we can be seen as more decisive So our our brand has always historically been seen as an innovative brand, but I think will be seen as decisive. And some of what I'm doing to help us do that is to have a clarity of message and a construct around communications. We speak to every audience in a framework that's about assessing what we know and when we know it and, and all of the information coming to us, addressing anything that is within our control and then adapting so that we can meet the needs that that are evolving every day. So assess, address, adapt is our framework and we'll continue to use that. And then from a very personal standpoint, one thing that has really hit me is that I have more trusted advisors in all of you, peers and partners and experts available to me than I was probably taking advantage of prior to the crisis. So I think really understanding our community and the good that we can bring to everyone in teaching and learning, and having this be a moment that makes us stronger as practitioners.
4: Thank you very much, and Sherry. Yes, so I would say that you know, as we've gone through the the crisis, we've said a couple of times as an executive team how we act now impacts what we
6: get to say later. You know, to make sure that it, it rings true, right? And so, if we're a company that believes we're people helping people, we have to walk that out with our employees. And when we think about our base of associates right now, some of them are pretty breathless right now. And then some of them are at home and they're anxious to get back. So we have a a mixture, but the majority of our um, associates are running extremely hard, harder than ever. So I see as the number one priority as a service brand, again, where the people bring the brand to life. The most important thing is going to be continuing to bolster and to continue to work on communication and engagement um, with them. And you know, as we think about the outside, we've always said we're a brand that's, a, we talk about ourselves as we have the heart of a challenger as based on where we came from and being a little bit scrappy. But now we're 50 years old, we've got the experience of an expert. So balancing that on the outside as well is, is what I think we'll be doing more.
0: Thank you, Sherry. And finally,
5: Hoop at Dow. Yeah, I would um, I again take the last position to say, like I would echo everything what uh, the others have said. So, but very short. So, so where I would like our brand to be uh, when we come out of this is definitely customer and consumer centric, and so and uh, human. And I think this is going to be a total different approach for our type of industry to to build in these human and um, emotional elements in an industry that may have not done that enough and or may have not communicated enough about what we are doing that touches uh, human beings and consumers. I like the point about impact and purpose, so I'm not going to, to say too much about that, but I think that cuts across all of us, emotional and crowds. So, and, um, and I think those elements for me... Notorious has never been associated with a a science company as such, and I'm I'm super excited that finally we are bringing these in. What my commitment is, uh, Margaret, is very simple. I think um, uh, no matter the circumstances around us, uh, tough or easy, I will stay relentlessly curious and that's just a uh, marketeer in me. And I think I, I'm not going to deviate a single bit from that attitude. And I, I think that, uh, that will keep us all going. And, um, and I think it's a phenomenal opportunity for us to, to actually, uh, show what, um, any company, all the companies that are on the call here are capable of, and, uh, and so we will all come, come out of this probably completely different, but, but why not for the better? So, so that's what I would say.
0: Okay so in thanking all of our panelists i've been listening actively so i'll try to offer some reflections it seems that now is a tremendous opportunity to build brand equity and employee loyalty if we are attuned to the feelings and thinkings of the community our customers and our employees it also seems like a tremendous opportunity for leadership but it's a fearless kind of leadership because all of the decisions the CMOs here are making are characterized by tremendous tensions. Keeping our employees safe, protecting revenue, brand building but returning investment today, supporting the community and keeping the enterprise healthy. And I so admire the creativity and innovation of our panelists this morning. I admire your courage. Also, in listening to you, I'm identifying three qualities or three characteristics of leadership, really, that go beyond marketing that I would like to highlight because I think these traits are instructive to all of us at this time. The first trait is seeking wisdom. It's evident that our five CMOs are asking questions of everyone around them. That relentless curiosity to ask of their teams, of their agencies, of their suppliers, of their community will embolden them and help them chart superior strategies because they will have more and better inputs. Second trait, sharing learnings. The generosity of the CMOs this afternoon to share their learnings is indicative of their commitment to the community. And that capacity will embolden them and empower them to build better relationships, which will result, I'm confident, in more innovative partnerships later. And finally, the quality of fostering dreams will inspire customers and inspire employees. Yes, we will march again. In thanking our production team, Alison Carrion, Kasia, Ashleen, and all of your teams, thank you for supporting this effort. We are very grateful to the five CMOs. We are very grateful to our audience for joining us. And I invite all of you where we will meet five more CMOs and learn how they are navigating this crisis and most importantly, how they see themselves re-emerging from the crisis. On behalf of all of us at Siegel & Gale, know that we are here to support you and do please join us again next time. I'm Margaret Malloy. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful rest of day. Thank you for joining How CMOs Commit. You've heard the strategic insights and professional commitments of top brand builders from around the world. I hope you also enjoyed my reflections on how this conversation is relevant to all marketers. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And please rate, review, and share this podcast. Until next time, this is how CMOs commit.